Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, from mortgage and credit card rates to money market and deposit yields, the Bank Rate 2021 forecast gives insight on every major consumer financial product. Chief Financial Analyst Greg McBride explains what it means for both borrowers and savers. Also this morning, car buying during a pandemic. Would-be winter bargain hunters are finding the shopping process is much different today than it has been in the past. In our everyday agriculture report this morning, after a roller coaster ride for everyone involved in the food industry, what is the new year likely to bring? And in our ongoing Keeping the Faith series, what do you want to change in 2021? How putting trust in God allows you to do life differently moving forward. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, January 6th, 2021. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast is calling for mostly cloudy skies today and a high of 37. Mostly cloudy tonight, a low around 30. The Highway Patrol pulled over and arrested a chronic OVI offender in Findlay. The patrol says 45-year-old Tremel Dwayne Foster of Findlay was speeding on I-75 near County Road 99. He was pulled over, given a field sobriety test, and placed under arrest for felony OVI. The patrol says Foster has been charged with OVI seven times in the past 15 years. Get more on our website. Fresh Encounter, a supermarket management company in Finley that runs the Great Scott stores locally, has acquired 51 stores from Save-A-Lot in the Tampa market. Michael Needler Jr. is president and chief executive officer of Fresh Encounter. It's going to be good for Fresh Encounter and Needler Enterprises because we're going to be able to develop a little further scale. And the more scale that we get, the better we will be able to compete with the big box stores. And ultimately, you know, that's what we try to do. We try to delight our customers, nourish our communities, and inspire pride in our team. The acquisition of the stores doubles the number of stores that Fresh Encounter now operates. Listen to more of our conversation with Needler on our website. As the Browns ready for a playoff game against the Steelers, the team announcing that head coach Kevin Stefanski and others have tested positive for the coronavirus. Special teams coordinator Mike Prefer will be acting head coach, while offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt will take on play-calling duties. Under Stefanski's leadership, the Browns went 11-5 and this season, their most wins in a season during the expansion era. An NFL spokesman said there's no change to the game's status. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. And that Browns and Steelers wildcard playoff game is scheduled for Sunday, uh, yeah, Sunday night it's scheduled for. Meantime, Governor DeWine says he won't make any exceptions to the statewide curfew even for playoff games. Two Ohio teams, the Browns and the Buckeyes, have upcoming games. The curfew requires bars and restaurants to close by 10 p.m. When asked about lifting the restriction for the games, the governor pointed to the state's COVID numbers, saying they're the reason the curfew has been extended. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek, WFIN News. I don't know if if this uh, happens to you. Uh, or not, but for for me, it seems like every year we turn the calendar over, and it takes me like a week or two to get used to saying 2021 instead of 2020. Um, in the old days, when we used to write a lot of checks for things in January, I'd always uh, have to stop myself to from writing the previous year. Yeah, that is not a problem this year. <laughs> I've noticed that it is not a problem. I have not once slipped and said 2020 instead of 2021. So I, I think that may, uh, that may have something to, uh, to do with the pandemic and how rotten 2020 was. But I, <laughs> I, I am not subliminally missing it at all. I am not, uh, uh, not having trouble adjusting to this whole 2021 thing. Today, if you need a reason to celebrate today... It is Apple Tree Day. It is also Bean Day. It is Cuddle Up Day. Cuddle Up. Going to be a little chilly today, so cuddle up with someone special. National Shortbread Day. (laughs) You can cuddle up and have some shortbread and beans. (laughs) National Smith Day today, honoring people with the surname Smith, as well as those who have last names with Smith in them, like Cooper Smith or Silver Smith. And did you know, interesting little factoid here, not counting not counting the variations of the name, almost 3 million people in the United States have the last name Smith. And it is the most common English-speaking surname in the world. I did not know that. 
So now you do. It is uh, National Technology Day, National Take-A-Poet-To-Lunch Day. <laughs> National Take-A-Poet-To-Lunch Day. And have some beans. Uh, National Take-Down-The-Christmas-Tree Day today. Traditionally, this is the day to take down your Christmas tree because it is Epiphany today, commemorating the visit of the Magi, the day that Jesus was revealed to the Gentiles. It is the day after Twelfth Night, which was last night. So, uh, Epiphany today, National Take Down the Christmas Tree Day today. Now you know uh, the reasons to celebrate and the things that you should be doing today. You've got a chore. One more thing to add to your to-do list here. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy news stories of the morning to start off your day. How crazy is this? It turns out that how you act as a kid has an impact on your behavior in middle age. This is according to a new study. Researchers from several universities tracked a 1,000 people from birth through age 45 and determined that the people who had higher levels of self-control as children uh, were uh, had more self... Uh, those who had more self-control as kids seem to be better equipped to handle the health, financial, and social challenges of later life. Who knew? If you are a well-behaved, well-adjusted kid, you are a more well-behaved, better socially adjusted adult. I know, it's crazy stuff, isn't it? can file that research under the category of duh. But it's more than that. They actually found that uh, those children who had higher levels of self-control actually were healthier than their peers by middle age. By the age of 45, both their bodies and their brains were healthier and biologically younger. So, anyway. And they also found out that self-control can be taught. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. <clears throat> we raise our kids right, they'll actually be better off as adults. I know, it's uh, just it's earth-shattering research there. So, America's rivers are not running blue anymore. This is wild. A study analyzed satellite images of the nation's rivers and found that about one in three have changed colors over the last three decades. Specifically, they've gone from blue waters to shades of yellow or green from 1984 to now. This is not necessarily bad news. They say there are many variables involved, but the experts note this fairly simple metric can be one more tool that they use in gauging the health of America's waterways. The report looked at more than 235,000 images from 1984 to 2018, and more than half of U.S. rivers were yellow, about a third were green, and 8% were blue. Uh, usually rivers turn yellow due to excess sediment, and they turn green because of excess algae. Uh, the former more likely in man-made bodies of water. The latter could be due to climate change, they say, as warmer weather or warmer waters uh, tend to breed algae. The experts say they do not believe there are any immediate threats to human health indicated by the colors of the rivers. Interesting nonetheless. Well, that was kind of an interesting story there. This is an amazing story. Again, you talk about the most buzzworthy stories to start your day. The last publicly documented widow of a Civil War soldier has died. Let me say that again. The last publicly documented widow of a Civil War soldier has passed away. The Missouri Cherry Blossom Festival says Helen Viola Jackson passed away last month at a nursing home at the age of 101. She married 93-year-old James Bolin in 1936 when she was 17 after her dad volunteered her to help uh, Mr. Bolin in his house. So she was kind of a housekeeper, caretaker. Uh, they fell in love, and she married. <laughs> he was 93. She was 17. Mr. Bolin 
uh, asked for her hand in marriage because he didn't want charity and wanted to leave her his union pension. He died three years later, and Ms. Jackson never remarried. Apparently, she kept it all a secret until 2017, and her story was confirmed by the Daughters of the Union Veterans through historical documents. Wow, that is crazy. I Although, now that I think about it, I do remember hearing that story about the last widow of a Civil War soldier. She has now passed away at the age of 101. Wow. There is a new official dog breed. The American Kennel Club says it will recognize the Beaver Terrier in the toy group of dogs. Uh, the breed is described as happy-go-lucky with a childlike, whimsical attitude. It is a four to eight pound dog, typically four to eight pounds. And now, because the breed has been... I mean, obviously, this dog has been around for a while. This type of dog has been around for a while. But now being officially recognized, it uh, now can compete in uh, upcoming dog shows, including the Westminster Kennel Club in June. So, I mean, new dog breed. That is big news. And how crazy is this? I actually, I saw this on the, actually, I saw this story on the Business Wire. It's sports related. But I saw it on the Business Wire, the business of sports. And I actually think that this is a really genius idea that I can't believe nobody thought of before. The NHL uh, looking to create new ways to generate revenue uh, as the season approaches. The league has sold naming rights to each of its four divisions. Now, they went through a realignment uh, because of uh, COVID-19 and travel concerns. And they sold the naming rights to the division. So it's not the Eastern and Western Division, the Central Division. All sports leagues, they uh, have these. The NHL has sold naming rights. It's the Scotia Bank NHL North Division, the Honda NHL West Division, the Discover, the Discover Card NHL Central Division, and the Mass Mutual NHL East Division. It is just a one-year deal, according to ESPN, the uh, NHL also previously announced that it would allow advertisements on player helmets in another alpha, uh, effort to create revenue for teams. Obviously, the league has suffered, as all leagues have, huge revenue shortfalls over the last year due to the ongoing pandemic. So this is a way to uh, recoup some of those losses. Uh, that is really a brilliant idea. I, I can't believe that the NFL or Major League Baseball or any of these others uh, haven't... Uh, Maybe they have had the idea, but the NHL was the first to pull the trigger. But naming rights for the divisions. I can see this I can see this growing. Uh, we could have, I don't know, the Cooper Tire Big Ten. That would... <laughs> Interesting stuff. There are some of the first things you need to know to get your Wednesday morning started. I'm Erin Russo, and I've had 15 years of ICU experience. I think the scariest part of COVID is that it's unpredictable. People are dying and suffering. They're scared to death. They can't breathe. And the hardest part is when they ask us to hold their hand because they don't want to die alone. We need the people in Ohio to take this virus more seriously. And we ask you to wear a mask and to social distance. Please take the steps to help us keep you safe. A message from the Ohio Department of Health. Well, the folks at Bankrate.com are out with their 2021 interest rate forecast, giving insight on all manner of financial products. And Bankrate Chief Financial Analyst Greg McBride joins us once again this morning to kind of break it all down and explain what it means for consumers. And Greg, first off, explain some of the factors you see uh, as having the greatest impact on where rates are headed in the coming year. The pandemic, of course, and a new administration in Washington, I would imagine, would be right up there at the top of the list. Well, Chris, uh, the, the pandemic is really the hub on the wheel, um, certainly in terms of the economic backdrop. And, uh, you know, so the big picture from an interest rate standpoint is the Federal Reserve is going to keep benchmark interest rates uh, where they currently are, not just this year, but likely for the next couple of years. But we will have an improving economy, particularly as vaccinations reach a mass scale. So with that backdrop, 
uh, you know, we're, we're likely to see interest rates uh, on some products that are basically, you know, hugging the floor the whole year because interest rates are so low, while at the same time we see you know, more volatility in something like mortgage rates where the fortunes are more closely tied to the economy. So let's start there. I mean, that's the big one for most consumers, mortgage and home equity rates. You bet. Uh, and I think that's also the opportunity for greatest savings right now. Now, mortgage rates ended 2020 at yet another record low. My expectation is that we're going to see them move even lower here in the early part of 2021. Wow. Uh, so if you haven't refinanced yet, now is the time to get busy doing so because the ability to cut the biggest monthly payment you have in your monthly budget by 150, 200, 250 bucks. Mm-hmm. That's tantamount to the pay raise you otherwise might not get. So I, you know, I cannot stress enough the, the really the urgency at, at looking into that uh, if you haven't already refinanced your mortgage. And for home buyers, look, don't sweat the fact that you know in the second half of the year, you know, an improving economy likely means that we see mortgage rates rebound a bit. They're still going to stay very very low. I've got mortgage rates ending the year not much higher than where we started the year. So yes, I see rates moving up in the back half of the year, but that's not going to be uh, you know, enough to, to derail homeowners. I think the bigger issue for those looking to buy a home is just going to be, can you find a home that's available for sale? Right. Inventories at record lows. Um, you know, that's going to be the real impediment for home buyers. It won't be mortgage rates. That's going to be a, a feather in your cap. What about uh, Americans' relationship with revolving credit is always uh, an issue year after year. What is the outlook for credit card rates? You know, I, that relationship I kind of was thrown on its ear a little bit in, in 2020. We actually saw people paying down credit card debt in, in a big, big way. Um, in a way that we really hadn't seen before, even in the financial crisis. And so people are coming into 2021 with less debt, less revolving debt than they had at the beginning of last year. Uh, that's good news. You add on top of that the fact that interest rates came down substantially in 2020. Uh, that eases the interest burden. So the good news is you're not going to see credit card rates rising this year. They're not you know, they're going to uh, continue to be at, at, at near current levels. And those that have good credit, uh, you are going to continue to see even more competitive offers, particularly those low rate balance transfer offers. Uh, and for those that pay their balances in full every month, going to continue to be innovation with new reward cards uh, coming to market. So going to be a good year on that front, uh, whether it's accelerating your debt repayment uh, or, you know, finding a reward card that, that puts a little bit more money in your pocket. Yeah. We talk about big ticket items after mortgages. Auto loans are probably the next, uh, the next big ticket item for most people. What about auto loans? Well, the financing is, is setting up to be very nice here in 2021. Rates are already very low. Uh, a lot of competition there, uh, not just among banks and, and credit unions where I see a lot of sub 4% rates and even some sub 3% rates on mm-hmm. both new and used cars. Uh, but, you know, there's the potential that dealers and manufacturers could enter the fray as well with some attractive financing options. I think the bigger issue for those looking to buy vehicles is just the price tag. Um, yeah. you know, the average amount financed on a new car now is $34,000. Yeah. I mean, even at low rates, that's a budget busting payment of, you know, 550, 600 bucks a month. So, uh, you know, it, the financing is, is not going to be the issue uh, here in, in, in 2021. I think, mm-hmm. if anything, it's going to be a matter of the, the price tag. Um, you know, the, the the pinch on production that was experienced in 2020 has driven up vehicle prices even more because kind of like home prices, the right. inventory is a little limited. Well, and and that and, and the lower used car rates go, the more the price uh, of those vehicles tends to go up because uh, in, when you're talking about payments, it's not eaten up by the interest. So dealers can charge a little bit more for those used car vehicles. So something to keep in mind there. You get into student loans and personal loans. What is the outlook here heading into 2021? Well, let's start with personal loans. Uh, rates aren't going to change much. Um, you know, they, you know, we, you'll continue to see, uh, you know, a lot of competition, uh, particularly for those that have very good credit. I think the bigger development in personal loans this year is just going to be the availability of credit. We get to the back half of 2021. If we do in fact see the economic recovery grabbing a higher gear, 
uh, that's going to open up credit availability. So, uh, you know, the consumer with weaker credit that couldn't get approved uh, late last year and probably, you know, may not even be able to get approved now mm-hmm. may find it's a uh, different footing later in the year. Uh, and on student loans, uh, again, it, you know, you don't have to worry about those variable rate loans rising this year. That's not going to happen. Uh, I think if anything, this is a good year to really put the hammer down and make some headway on paying down that credit card debt. Start with your private student loans. You know, a lot of them have variable rates. Those variable rates aren't going to go up this year. So good opportunity to, to pay down that debt now, uh, you know, and, and just, you know, so you have less to worry about at yeah. some point down the road when rates do go up. Now, we talk about all of the debt components. What about the savings vehicles, savings uh, accounts, money market rates, CDs, and so on? Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, wish I had better news on this one. As good as the news is on all the borrowing fronts, uh, it's not good for savers. I mean, uh, we saw rates plunge on, on savings accounts and, and money markets and, and certificates of deposit to record lows last year. And unfortunately, they're going to continue to drag along the, the bottom here in, in, in 2021. Um, you know, I think this glimmer of hope you may see later in the year is if the economic recovery surprises to the upside, you could see a surge in, in loan demand that uh, you know prompts uh, some, some more competitive offerings on, on, on savings and CDs from some banks. But that's contingent upon you know, a robust economic recovery. And, mm-hmm. and even then, it's, it, that's not likely to materialize until later in the year. So all told, uh, you know, this is not going to be a year where you're raking in the interest earnings by, by any stretch. Now, obviously, you know, making smart decisions regarding all of these things, both on the savings and the debt side, is important for consumers every year, but particularly critical in 2021 as we hopefully start to dig out from some of the mess that 2020 created. So kind of bottom line it here, what should consumers do now that we are armed with all that information? It sounds as though this would be, I mean, if you have are deciding whether to save or pay down debt, uh, the better option would be to pay down debt rather than sock away a whole lot of money in savings in 2021. Well, you know, I I, I disagree with that just because the reason for savings is not because of the prospect of returns. It's Mm. just to have that money there for unplanned expenses. It may not be earning much, but it is a buffer between you and 15% credit card debt when unplanned expenses arise. So, you know, if anything, if you want to focus, I'd say there are three fundamental areas uh, to zero in on this year. You know, the first would be boost that emergency savings. Second, pay down high interest rate debt. You can do both of those simultaneously. It's not either or. And then third, get a handle on your expenses. Track where your spending is going. Uh, that's going to reveal opportunities where you can economize or uh, you know, just you know, cut back a little bit, maybe get a better deal on something and free up a little bit of uh, money, create a little breathing room in your budget so that you can do the things like accelerate debt repayment and and increase retirement savings. You know, retirement savings often gets put on the back burner when financial times are tight. You know, this could be a year to maybe make up for some of that. So there is your kind of game plan financially for 2021, courtesy of Bankrate.com and their 2021 interest rate forecast, which we have linked up at our webpage. You want to check that out and dig deeper into the numbers. Uh, financial Chief Financial Analyst Greg McBride with us this morning. Greg, thanks for uh, taking the time, as always. Always a pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. Speaking of auto loans, uh, just a moment ago with Greg there. Uh, this is the time of year when bargain hunters are typically out looking for good year-end deals on new vehicles before the big push on new models in the spring. Now, of course, in recent years, this has changed somewhat because new models don't always come out on a set schedule anymore. But still, right around the end of the year, the beginning of the next year, it's still seen as the time when dealers want to clear old inventory and make room for when the weather breaks. Obviously, like everything else, the impact of COVID-19 has thrown a monkey wrench into the process, but buyers are still out there, especially with interest rates as they are now, as we were saying a little bit earlier. Joining us now with strategies on car buying during a pandemic and results from their third annual survey of car buyers is auto expert Nick Miles. Nick, talk about the ways in which the pandemic has impacted this industry. Well, big. It's impacted all of us in every single way, as you can imagine. 
uh, a lot of people changing the way they run their lives from top to bottom. Uh, sales are down for vehicles and some factories have been closed. And we've seen uh, a lot of car buyers actually move to the digital platforms and doing research a lot earlier uh, than they had been in the past. So we know that these digital platforms have been around for a while. But yeah. if you're thinking about buying a new car, a lot of people have been moving into those platforms earlier in the car buying process. And that means looking at pre-qualifying for financing and looking at what's available in inventory a lot earlier in that process to get ready for the car buying process. You know, it's interesting you mentioned, I mean, these uh, digital platforms uh, have been around for a long time. And I guess it's kind of like everything else. We just seem to be discovering them or taking full advantage of them uh, in 2020 more so than we have in the past. So kind of take us through that approach to car buying uh, during the pandemic and and doing this in sort of a the digital realm because it's something that most of us have not done before. People are relying, of course, a lot more uh, heavily on the online information and technology than they did ever before COVID-19. Uh, one of the things that I discovered several years ago uh, before I actually partnered with Capital One was the Capital One Auto Navigator uh, software and a website, which is kind of uh, ingenious. There are lots of pieces of software and little pieces of websites out there that can help you with one or two little things in the car buying process. But the one thing that impressed me with the Auto Navigator is that you can actually pre-qualify for your financing, which is a really important part. And people are doing this earlier because it's, an, you, you know, people need to obviously get financing when they buy a vehicle. Sure. Pre-qualifying allows you to uh, do a soft pull on your credit. And, and if people aren't familiar with a soft pull and a hard pull, a soft pull doesn't ding your credit when you, uh, when you pre-qualify, whereas a hard pull does ding your credit when you pre-qualify. So it gathers all the information. It tells you what sort of interest rate you can uh, be can be applied for, to you. It also tells you how much you can borrow. It, and then you can manipulate a lot of things like the period, the payment, all of those sort of things. And it's transparent. You can see all of the information. And then in the same application, the same website, you can also look at inventory of vehicles. And you can search by make, you can search by model, you can search by year, or you can search by type of vehicle, whether it be wagon, uh, truck, SUV. You can search and find local inventory or you can find national inventory wherever you're looking. Uh, and then when you've done that and you've got your pre-qualification done, you basically just print that information out. And then the final portion is just going for the test drive. When you're sure that's the vehicle for you, all you do is sign the paperwork at the dealership and then you're away. And it really puts the power in your pocket and you're back to actually enjoying the car buying process. I say it's kind of like eating your vegetables first and then enjoying <laughs> the rest of your meal because it's we well, want car buying to to be fun. It's got yeah. to be exhilarating. You want something shiny in a driveway. Let's make car buying fun again. Yeah, I, I was uh, thinking it, it kind of relates to uh, the home buying process, pre-qualifying for a home uh, loan. We've been doing that for years uh, right. because it doesn't make any sense to go. Then you're looking at, at things that fit into your budget that you're comfortable with. You're not looking at things that you can't afford or that are uh, too little of a car. So uh, it, it really only makes sense. What are yeah. We mentioned the uh, third annual National Survey of Car Buyers. What are consumers looking for uh, when choosing their vehicles this year? Anything noteworthy in that survey? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I will tell you that uh, Capital One, when they dropped that survey uh, a couple of weeks ago, one of the things that uh, was quite shocking to me in 2018, when they did the first version of this survey, we saw that only 14% of res uh, respondents to the survey said that the car buying process was actually transparent. Well, this year, shockingly enough, in 2020, 40% of respondents to the survey said that the car buying process was now transparent. That's a huge jump. And I'm putting that down to the digital process. Sure. People now, there's no longer a man sitting behind a curtain passing you pieces of paper telling you what your monthly payment could be. It's actually you being able to see the whole transparent process, you being able to manipulate the numbers so they work personally for you. It's about the transparency of the process and people understanding it. You know, that everything is now online and understandable and you can do it in your own time. It's not pressure of sitting at that desk waiting for hours for something to happen. And I think that's one of the things that we really 
really understand much better. You're happy. The dealers are happy. You have something shiny and that smells good in your driveway. Mm -hmm. We want you to be exhilarated. Everybody wants to be happy about their new purchase. So we mentioned the auto navigator from Capital One is uh, one example of uh, these uh, digital tools that people are using to streamline the process. Where do we find that and how do we get started? You can use it on the website by going to CapitalOne.com slash cars. That is the web portal to get you to Auto Navigator where you can pre-qualify and you can see the inventory local to you or nationally. But you can also download the app from the Apple App Store. It's quite simply allowing you to put the power of car buying in your pocket. You can do it on your own time. It costs you nothing. You can look at inventory. You can browse inventory. And you can pre-qualify again. There's no cost involved. It uh, allows you to do whatever you want to find your new vehicle. Um, it's a great tool. I did it on my own. I found it. I used it, and I'm a fan. Auto expert Nick Miles talking about the pandemic's impact on consumer car buying, especially uh, during this time of year when it's uh, usually a pretty busy time for dealerships. Nick, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Yeah, you too, and uh, happy holidays. And now today's Everyday Agriculture Report. The nation's farmers and food industry workers are probably glad, as are we all, that 2020 is finally in the rearview mirror. It was certainly a roller coaster ride for the food industry. It was kind of interesting because we've always thought of the food industry as kind of recession-proof, but boy, the coronavirus pandemic uh, threw everyone for a loop, even in this industry. So what is the new year likely to bring? USDA contributor Gary Crawford takes a look back and a look ahead in today's Everyday Agriculture. Through the magic of radio, let's go back a little over a year. It's New Year's Day 2020. The nation's agricultural sector, farmers, food distributors and such, had reason to cheer. It appeared that there was finally a light at the end of the long trade war tunnel with China that had hurt so many U.S. farmers during 2019. I believe it will be a real bonanza for America's farmers, ranchers and producers. The comments of Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue mid-January 2020 at the signing of the Phase 1 trade agreement with China, under which China committed to buy about $34 billion worth of U.S. ag products during the first year of the agreement. Ah, but then COVID-19 hits China very hard. And USDA's Outlook Board Chairman Mark Jekinowski told us at the time... To the extent that the coronavirus might impact the health of, uh, of China's economy, um, you know, it could potentially reduce their demand for various agricultural commodities. And it did. It slowed down the pace of sales and shipments, and this began to push prices to farmers for their ag products down. That was worrisome enough, but there was more to worry about because by mid-March, one thing was clear, as Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue put it at the time. American agriculture, like many economy sectors in the United States and the world, have been hit hard by the coronavirus. With restaurants and schools suddenly having to close, farm products that normally went to those food service markets had no place to go. Meanwhile, COVID was causing meat processing plants to either close or slow down production, causing more problems for farmers. And semi-empty shelves at the supermarket meat counters for consumers. In late March, Congress passes and the president signs the CARES Act, the Coronavirus Aid, Relief and Economic Security Act, giving the Agriculture Department money to create an assistance package for farmers. And within 20 days or so, the folks at USDA created and the president unveiled the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. The package of approximately $16 billion for row crops and livestock and uh, other commodities that were significantly affected by disrupted markets. The program called CFAP for short. Later in the year, there was another tranche of $14 billion for a CFAP 2 program. And Johansson says, for the most part, they were very effective at shielding producers from that downturn in expected sales that were caused by COVID-19. And indeed, as 2020 wound down, sales to China began to ramp up again big time. The total sales right now estimated for 2020 at about $27 billion. 2021, we expect you know a continued increase in pace uh, of exports. 
And also, surprisingly, when farmers and ranchers make their final entries on the books for 2020, the farm sector's total net farm income for the year will likely end up being one of the highest in several years. You know, net cash income at about $134 billion, net farm income at almost $120 billion. Up $36 billion from 2019, so that's the good news. However, as we look into 2021, we do get some bad news. I think it's clear that 2021 is going to see a much lower farm income than 2020. Of course, over $46 billion of this past year's farm income came from direct government payments. Now, for 2021, Johansson says more of farmers' income will likely come from crop and livestock product sales, helped along by higher export demand. We're expecting the trade situation with China to continually be improving. We've got the USMCA agreement. We also have a trade agreement with Japan. All of those things are improving our trade outlook. And as we have seen already at the end of 2020, both in the crop and the livestock side, we expect cash receipts up probably about $25, $26 billion. But we also expect these government programs to be much smaller as we come out of the COVID-19 pandemic. And even with a brand new recent coronavirus assistance package, which has about $13 billion directed toward agriculture, Johansson says 2021 farm income could still fall from 2020's income by from 6 to $10 billion. Again, the result of higher receipts but lower government payments. I'm Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. This broken news report is a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. And uh, in the broken news this morning, the odd and unusual side of the news, uh, men who, and I'm not sure exactly where this is, this was a video that I uh, saw online, man attempting to steal packages off of a porch, would-be porch pirate, got caught red-handed... And uh, attempts to, so so he's trying to steal these uh, uh, packages off the porch. And apparently this guy with the video doorbell goes off and he sees what's happening. He goes to the door, catches the guy red-handed. So he runs off, runs back to his car, which was parked in the home's driveway. And, but he backs into a snowbank and gets himself stuck. The video was shared on LiveLeak.com. The homeowner opens the door, catches the perpetrator in the act, uh, then shouts as the man runs back to his car. Uh, the perp uh, jams the vehicle in reverse, driving over the snowbank, and in the process, when he puts the car in drive, he finds that he is not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, the uh, homeowner then informs him that the police have already been called and they're on their way. Uh, the uh, guy actually got out of the car and tried to push it <laughs> to get it unstuck, but he was unsuccessful, and the authorities uh, came and nabbed him. So, <laughs> not the uh, best criminal. In it. This might this guy might want to consider a career change. Not he doesn't have a bright future in uh, in porch piracy. Elsewhere, in that you can look up the uh, video. It is rather humorous. Uh, elsewhere in the broken news, Dateline, Orlando, Florida, Joseph Prohaska, age forty decided to take his airboat out for a spin. That wouldn't have been a problem, except that he decided to take his airboat cruising down Mimosa Avenue in Brevard County. <laughs> not on the lake, not on uh, any uh, waterway. Uh, he decided to take it on the street. And if you've ever wondered, would an airboat work on the street? Apparently, uh, it did, sort of. In addition to ramming into trash cans, Mr. Prohaska also decided to light off a few fireworks for good measure. Since what he was doing was highly illegal, police shut down his little party for a uh, little party for two pretty quickly. His father was apparently in the boat at the time when police tried to pull him over, which means the dash cam footage must be pretty amazing. When he finally stopped, Mr. Prohaska gunned the engine to cause a disturbance and mock law enforcement, according to the report, which means the handcuffs had to come out. He was arrested, but even then he decided he wasn't in enough trouble, so he proceeded to threaten the lives of the uh, officers arresting him, reportedly shouting, I'll kill you if you hurt my dad. Officials, uh, officers tried to take his father into custody uh, as well, but again, Mr. Prohaska was threatening. He faces charges of threatening a law enforcement officer and disorderly conduct. He could be hit with more charges since 
fireworks are also illegal in Florida. So. <laughs> as well as riding a boat through the streets, obviously. So that's you know, all kinds of trouble. See, again, this is a story I think uh, just demonstrates people are getting far too bored, stir-crazy, uh, after months of the pandemic. That's We're running out of things to do. <laughs> Uh, this is a crazy story out of New York City, saw on the uh, Newswire. In Harlem, uh, a landlord has been having problems getting his tenants to pay the rent, and now the landlord is facing eviction. The tenants have not been paying the, the rent, and the landlord is facing eviction. I saw that headline, and I said, I've got to learn more. It says, landlord in Harlem facing his own eviction after tenants in the building that he owns are refusing to pay their rent. The family of 88-year-old David Housen tells the New York Post the man relies on the rental income from a building he owns on West 129th Street to pay for his own apartment uh, in the Manhattan neighborhood of Inwood. Uh, Because he has owed more than $40,000 from renters, his daughter says attempts to resolve the issue in court have failed, and now because they haven't been paying their rent, he has nothing. Due to the pandemic, tenants have been protected from eviction in New York State, and the legislature is expected to pass a new eviction moratorium to keep tenants in their apartments until at least May of this year. But here's the question that I, I wonder. If um, if he can't pay his own rent because his tenants aren't paying their rent, isn't he protected as well? He says he's facing eviction. <laughs> the landlord is facing eviction. Kind of crazy. Uh, just weird stuff, all because of the pandemic. And from the international file of the broken news, here again, a story that I think demonstrates that people are going a little stir-crazy. In Pakistan, uh, police arrested a man dressed in a werewolf costume on New Year's Eve. (laughs) This is a report out of the uh, British newspaper, The Independent, reports that the man allegedly made roaring noises at people while riding his motorcycle dressed as a werewolf. (laughs) The identity of the man and the exact charges he faces have not been released. Police say they are investigating the man's motives. (laughs) I think think he was just a little stir-crazy on New Year's Eve. Uh, I think that's where we all are. And finally, in the broken news, again, a pandemic-related item... A powerful politician in Belgium has been quite literally caught with his pants down. Uh, The mayor of Antwerp, Bart de Weaver, was apparently uh, doing a live interview uh, on on television through a video stream when the host caught the mayor's reflection in a mirror. He had set up the camera and there was a mirror in the background which showed to everyone watching that the mayor was only wearing a shirt and underwear. (laughs) Because the camera was only catching him from the from the waist up, so he literally had his pants down. Uh, the mayor quickly adjusted the camera when it was pointed out to him, adding that he was beginning the new year with a particularly embarrassing moment. <laughs> his political rival later teased him on Twitter uh, using a picture of Belgian flag underwear. I don't know if that's what he was wearing, but there you go. That is uh, today's <laughs> another one of those stories. That is today's Broken News Report, a service of the Hancock County Veterans Services Office. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN thanks you for listening and reminds you to listen online around the clock at WFIN.com. Gordon Deal, Good Mornings with Chris Oaks, plus Brian Kilmeade, Bill O'Reilly, Rush Limbaugh, and Dave Ramsey. Plus, you'll get all our locally originated sports programming. Listen live and grab our free mobile apps for iOS or Android at WFIN.com. And now, your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Uh, This is really kind of interesting, uh, especially as it relates to the economy uh, that we were talking about a little bit earlier. If it is true that getting a handle on the pandemic is going to be key to uh, the economic recovery of 2021, hopefully, that we hope is coming, uh, then this is good news. Confidence in the coronavirus vaccine is growing. This, according to a USA Today analysis of dozens of polls, finds that surveys taken in recent weeks show close to 60% of respondents saying that they would get the vaccine. 
That is up from a low of around 50% back in September. Uh, Trust in the vaccine has been uh, spotty at best, I guess you should say in this whole narrative of the past several months, uh, ever since this whole thing started through last fall. Uh, But the uh, surveys find that uh, confidence is growing. Now, there are some individuals tend to be less trusting of the vaccine, notably Republicans and individuals of color tend to be less trusting of it. And it's interesting. My, my wife and I were talking about this uh, the other day, uh, the number of people who are saying, you know what, I don't want to get this right away. I'm going to wait and make sure that it's safe. Not going to get it, rush out and get it right away. Well, for most of us, we're not going to be able to get it right away. Uh, obviously, we're going to have to get in line behind you know, first responders, medical industry, older Americans going to be uh, higher on the priority list. So I think by the time uh, it, it gets around to being available to the general public, I think there will probably be a large enough sample size that I, I got to think that most people will be uh, comfortable with it by the time it becomes generally available because so many people will have already gotten it by then and hopefully nobody grows a third arm or anything like that. So by the time it becomes readily available, I think this is an issue that will take care of itself. But as of right now, 60% of respondents say that they would get the vaccine. And obviously, uh, confidence uh, growing is key because this is a crucial time. Uh, obviously, the country going through a, another wave of this that has pushed hospitals close to and in some cases beyond their capacity and uh, obviously that new more contagious mutation that is now circulating uh, spreading even in this country so again just kind of interesting that the uh, confidence in the uh, vaccine is growing according to this uh, usa today analysis and lastly this morning in our ongoing keeping the faith series the arrival of the new year often gets people to thinking about ways to improve themselves moving forward, considering how they might do life differently. You may want to consider the words of Jeff Reeder. He is a regent at Baylor University, a deacon at Second Baptist Church in Houston, advisory board director for the National Christian Foundation, and he manages more than $6 billion in assets for clients at his brokerage firm. And he comes at each of those roles in the same way, through his relationship with God. Correspondent John Clemens reports this morning, Keeping the Faith. When the pandemic struck, Jeff Reader encouraged his clients to trust the Lord and to trust America. The reality is, is as the sky was falling and the market was plummeting, we had clients calling us saying, sell everything, sell everything. We kept saying, let's believe in America and let's believe we're going to come through this. Only a few of them actually sold, and many of them are not only back to where they were, but they're beyond where they were. Everyone at Northwestern Mutual understood what Reader wanted. Every phone call we made to the marketplace needed to be a phone call of hope. Every time we reached out and met with a client, usually on Zoom calls, very few in person, needed to be a conversation of hope, of energy, of belief, of faith. He has now authored the book, Do Life Differently. That explains one of the pillars for his life is faith. Reader begins his explanation to readers using the analogy of a unicycle. The unicycle of riding through life vocationally on a unicycle and personally on a second unicycle. And I will challenge them to put the two wheels together and make a bicycle, to have the balance strategy of the bicycle. And when I draw that all out, I wrap the chain of the bicycle around the back wheel and the spokes happen to turn out to be faith. Now that the bicycle is complete, he explains faith as the power source. The front wheel as maybe a vocational pursuit and the back wheel as faith, family, fitness, finances, mentally growing, community leadership and service and involvement, all those sort of things on the back wheel. And your weight is balanced on the back wheel of the bicycle with faith sort of being the power source. Reader continues to generate wealth as he explains the plans for leading yourself well in his book, Do Life Differently. When we were first working on the book, the vision of the book title was literally lead yourself. 
it feels to me like a lot of people have written books on leadership, and yet not a lot of books are out there on the importance of leading yourself and leading yourself differently than this crazy world where we live. And so lead yourself became do life differently by design, not by default. Reader explains in the book, To Lead Yourself Well, You Must Climb the Mountain. What I suggest to people is is that if we're at base camp right now and we have this five-year view of the summit, and the summit means where I think I could get vocationally, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, where could I be in my marriage? Where could I be as a, as a parent that is this bold vision? Sometimes we call it V60, vision 60 months from now. Reader uses his experience to help others do life differently. For many, many years, I've been teaching a leadership class at Baylor University. I've been training our advisors for our financial services firm at a conference center ranch location out in the country and talking to people about doing life. Do Life Differently is a book that explains B-E-S-T, balance, excellence, service, and truth. Many years ago, a close friend and consultant of mine named Jack Shaw and I developed this acronym of BEST, pursuing life at its best. And to us, life at its best was a life of balance, a life of excellence, a life of serving others, and a life of truth. I wish more people in today's world would stop and process those four words as they pursue their best life. That includes setting realistic habits. If I'm 30 pounds overweight and five years from now, I want to be 30 or 40 pounds lighter, then the first step in year one might be getting in the habit of exercise in the morning. And it might start with walking around the block. So many fitness trainers would say, oh, no, no, you have to do more than that. You have to get in the weight room or you have to go you know, run four miles at some pace. And I'm like, nah, I don't think so. I think you need to walk around the block. Here's how to get in touch with Jeff Reeder, author of the book, Do Life Differently. Jeff.dreader at teamreader.com. So that's J-E-F-F dot D dot R-E-E-T-E-R at team, T-E-A-M, reader, R-E-E-T-E-R dot com. This is John Clemens reporting. We have a link to that book, at our webpage, go to goodmornings.net, and that will put a wraps on our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net. We are always on 24-7 on the World Wide Web. You can also connect with us on social media. Check out our daily email newsletter. It's easy to sign up. It is free. Keep you up to date on what we're doing each day on the show. Until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.